You know, we've been talking about faith that moves mountains. You know, when I was first uh, given the opportunity to come and switch this week and, and share with you, I thought I was going to be doing James chapter 3, um, you know, as uh, Robert is, was off uh, all week with his son in Washington, D.C. in a school uh, thing, and uh, I pray that they really enjoyed themselves. It's a great city to visit. And uh, uh, we just love taking our family there. And so I thought I was going to be doing James chapter 3. And he says, no, that's mine. And I said, okie dokie. And so, uh, but wanting to stay with the theme of faith that moves mountains, I was reminded of, of Hebrews 11, 1, where it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You know, and we have this hall of faith here in Hebrews chapter 11. And so the Lord began kind of, uh, or I began thinking, you know, maybe this would be part of the passage that I would uh, teach on this morning. And I love verse 6 as well. It says, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, faith. You know, where is our faith today? Where is your personal faith today? We live in a culture and society that uh, wants us to have very little faith, if any, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so where is our faith? And as I began to pray uh, over uh, teaching this weekend, I was also reminded of Paul's profound statement in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, uh, which declares this, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Faith then not only realizes our need for salvation and the reality of all that Christ did on the cross and over the grave, but faith is then a moment-by-moment daily life. Faith. So I'm going to ask you to examine your hearts and, and just kind of think for a moment. And if you take notes and you got a pen ready, you know, kind of jot down three things that you think that we need to have in order to have true faith. A moment-by-moment faith, a daily faith. You know, sometimes we have We want those mountains to move. Sometimes the mountains are different in each of our lives. You know, how many of you have ever had one of those weeks where it just went yuck? You know, my, my week started last Monday with me losing my wallet. Now, that's no big deal to a lot of people until, oh, I've got a charge card or two in there. Oh. I've got money in there. Oh. I have my driver's license. Oh, I'm driving without a license. Oop, better take care of that. You know, we tear apart the house, we tear apart the car, tear apart my son-in-law's vehicle because I had spent time in that. And no, wallet. Huh. Now I'm going through this, this little identity crisis. Who am I? 
Then I start blaming people. It's nobody's fault, you know. It's everybody else's fault, not mine, obviously. Uh, you're drinking a latte over there. I need that this morning. I'm not awake. So, but, you know, just one of those weeks. You know, and then for those of you who know the season of life where we're at, Diane has been sick most of the week. And so it's been one of those weeks. And so you want the mountain move. How does my faith reveal who I am in Christ? I want you to know I went to the DMV and I was in and out in less than 20 minutes. That has to be a record for me. Uh, I'm from New York originally. Uh, man, if it get out of there in a half a day, you're happy. <laughs> the reality of who God is in our lives. Faith. You know, I, I can really identify with Matthew being saved later in life recognizing, you know, I haven't lived life for God's glory. I've lived life for myself. And so this morning, I want us to take a little journey through the Gospel of Matthew and consider faith that moves mountains because I believe this tax collector learned a ton about faith that moves mountains. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, as we are in your presence, Lord, I pray that you would just guide and direct in a profound, wonderful way here in our midst. Lord, you know where we're all at. You know those who might be here in quiet desperation. Their lives are upside down because of the mountain that's in front of them. Lord, there are some here that haven't even started a journey of faith and they're so lost and they don't realize that. That they're apart from a God who cares and loves for them and the reality is evidenced in your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's everybody in between, all of us. And so, Father, as we look into your word, we ask that it would deeply nurture our hearts this morning, that it would meet the needs of our lives. Father, that you would guide and direct in a profound way. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your steadfast faithfulness. Thank you again for all that you've given us in Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Sometimes the mountains in front of us, we think that God doesn't care because the way we perceive it, the delights of our heart, the mountain does not move. No matter how we pray, no matter what we do, sometimes we don't get what we earnestly want. Let me share with you a, a devastating story. Uh, I had just graduated uh, now working on the thoughts of being ordained back home in upstate New York, and um, our, our, our children, our eldest children are now of marrying age, and one of their good friends is getting married, and we have the wedding day, and we go to the wedding. It's a very large wedding, huge one. 
and we go to the reception. The reception's in a park. We're at the southern tip of Seneca Lake. There's lots of canals and boats and uh, drifts and everything there. And uh, we, we are sitting, just getting ready to eat. Uh, the pictures are finished being taken. And we're just getting ready to eat. And a panicked mom comes running in. And her two-year-old and three-year-old has wandered off. And they lost track of them some way, somehow. And so we all disperse, and we're all searching quickly, anxiously. We're all praying, looking for. And the worst of the worst happens. A little boy and a little girl are found in a canal, holding one another, floating. The EMTs are called, and Everything is done. They put the children on life support. They bring in the helicopter. They fly them to Rochester, New York. Uh, I don't know many of the people there, but the pastor has heard about me, and he comes running to me. I'm going to the hospital. You stay here and take care of everybody. So I'm panicked. What do I do? You know, I really don't know the family. This tragedy is taking place. And so in my mind, I, I, you know, we're all around round tables, and so I invite people to stand and join in circles, and, and we're going to pray for this family and these two children, not knowing what God's desire is. But our, our desire is that some way God's miracle would bring these children. And I hold hands. I want to do it family. We pray. Little did I know I was holding on to the hand of mom. She didn't go. She, there wasn't a room enough, and she wanted dad to go, and then she was going to go later with a ride. What we prayed for didn't happen. And within a couple of days, they took the children off life support. And we would say the mountain didn't move. <laughs> because of everything that had happened, where it happened, and as well as uh, all the doctors and everything up in Rochester, the funerals ended up being huge. The auditorium was packed. And the pastor very gently shared the gospel. And the reality that these children are in God's presence, and as much as it hurts and the pain is real, they are in God's presence. And that day, God moved in a great way, and multiple, multiple people trusted Christ as Savior. The mountain that God wanted to move was the darkness in people's hearts that day so that they could see the reality of who Christ is and the wonder of his love. As we look at Matthew and we look at these steps and what we look at here, I want us to see that God does move mountains all the time, even when we don't get our own way. Notice what it says in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. It says, now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now think about this. This is a Roman centurion, a Roman soldier, uh, somebody that the Jews did not care about. 
uh, the Jewish nation, you know, and, and yet he is coming and begging not for a child, not for his son or daughter, but a servant. In the Roman government at that time, just about everybody had servants, you know, and, and you would think low on the totem pole, but Jesus very casually says, yeah, I'll come, I'll heal him. And notice what the centurion says, and the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy. <coughs> Excuse me, I need a drink of water. I am not worthy for you that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed, for I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And Jesus heard it, and he marveled, And he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you, many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom in heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he was just saying, many, many of our Jewish folks won't believe that I am the Messiah, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, but this centurion believes I am who I am. For you and I to have faith that consistently walks with God day in and day out, we need to believe that that and we need to have the faith to trust his authority and power. We must have the faith that trusts his authority and power. Now think about it, little young Mary. <laughs> you know, angel comes in and says, uh, you're going to have a baby, and she goes, uh, I don't think so. I know me, and I haven't, I haven't had any relations with any guy. Well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you're going to have a child, and you're going to have a son, and you're going to call him Jesus. Well, I don't understand that. Well, I just want you to know that with God, nothing is impossible. And what does this little gal say? Oh, okay. I am your maidservant. Whatever God desires... Do we honestly live day by day, moment by moment, that our God can do anything? The psalmist said, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Ah, the very creator of heaven and earth. Our culture is so beat into us that creation hasn't happened that we forget that. Subconsciously. Do you, do I, Live with the understanding that all authority is given to Jesus Christ. All power is within the Godhead. And you and I can walk by faith in that and trust our God who loves us. So I'd say that's character trait number one. You and I, if we're going to have great faith, we need to believe that God can do and desires to do all that he has promised and that this book becomes very real. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Very familiar 
very, very familiar reality. Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately when Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain uh, by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the uh, the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, and the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to him and said, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Many of us know the rest of it. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is really you, command me to come to you on the water. And the Lord says, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, I don't know what the other 11 are doing. I have no clue. You know, whether they're going, Peter, what are you doing? You crazy? That's water. Or whether they're going, go for it, man. Do it. You know, I don't know. Uh, I have no idea. But I love Peter's heart. Hey, Lord, if it's you. Bid me come. Okay, come on, Peter. And he climbs out of the boat very willingly. Great faith and the wonders of it. But we know what happens next. And when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they had gotten into the boat, the wind ceased, and those who were in the boat came and worshipped him and said, You are truly, you are the Son of God. Not only must our faith consistently trust in the authority and power of God, but your faith, my faith, must trust that he is constantly present. We must have a faith that he is present. That is exactly what happened to Peter. Peter began allowed the clamor of the storm to distract him from whose presence he was in. Lord, if it is really you, bid me come. And I want you to know that Romans chapter 8 is vitally true at this moment. It declares, it does not matter what we are in, where we are in, nothing created, absolutely nothing in this life can separate us from the love of God. And all of God's people said? If you and I are in Christ Jesus, his presence is very real. His presence is here today in this place and in many churches around the nation. Unfortunately, he's not invited in every church, but he is here today. I know he is out at Ellicott. His presence. Think of Joseph. My gosh. His brothers are jealous with envy. They rip his coat of prestige and power and authority off him, throw him in the pit. Oh, no, let's sell him. They sell him as a slave. What does he do? (laughs) He serves. He keeps his heart right. 
Then Potiphar's wife comes along, rips another coat tunic off him of authority and prestige in this place, lies about him. He ends up being thrown in jail. And what happens? He serves. He is trusting the God that is always present. When we think about the practicality of the book of James, counting all joy, when we fall into divers' trials, well, we can't do that if we think that God has abandoned us. That's why I love the songs this morning. He is always there. You know, every song we sang talked about trusting God, his love for us, his faithfulness, uh, the reality of who he is in our lives. That's why I was so excited to want to get up here and teach. Our God is so great. His presence, it will dictate how we use our tongues. Oh, chapter 3, it will dictate how we perceive others. Your face, my face. Do we really walk moment by moment every day realizing he's right next door? And I'm thinking about uh, being introduced to uh, Colorado Springs drivers uh, believe it or not, they actually drive more aggressively than me. I'm amazed. You know, I, having driven around New York City a lot, uh, I always thought I drew, drove aggressively. But here, wow. Uh, first time I was cut off by a great big car, and I was sure only a compact could s- situation between me and the car in front of me. Yeah, I was bumper hugging, hug, you know. And, but that car fit, must have missed my front, front bumper by four inches. And I went, ah! You know, kind of like that. But immediately I was convicted. Oh, what did they think I was doing with my hands? Because I've also driven around Colorado and I saw other things happening with hands than somebody just out of fear. And, and so now I pray, hold the steering wheel and pray for the person in front of me. You know, they're in a hurry for some reason. You know, and pray that they get there safely for what, you know, to be able to handle everything. Or if they're being foolish, Lord, give them wisdom. His presence. Does he sit in the car with us? Well, sometimes he has to get out because we drive too aggressively. I understand that. No. Uh, this couple that lost their children so tragically, I'll never forget two years later, they were still marveling what God did at the funerals to change so many people's lives. The pain was still real. The heartache was still real. But the joy of what God did in the midst was first and foremost evident. Faith. Do we really trust his power and authority? Do we really trust his constant presence? Number three, Matthew 15. Notice what it says, starting with verse 21. 
Then Jesus went out from there and he departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from, the, from that region and cried to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, send her away, for she cries out after us all the time. My two words added. Now think about this. <laughs> she's pleading for her child, though again, she's a Gentile. She's pleading for her child who is severely demon-possessed. She is crying out for help. You know, she knows that he is the son of David, that, that he, he is real, you know, and, and please, and Christ remains silent. Sometimes we think that that is harsh on her, but I believe what I truly believe, he is trying to emphasize something very powerful to Matthew and the rest of the disciples, his silence is for their account, not so much for her. He already knows her heart. Notice how it continues on. He goes, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And again, we would think, man, that's harsh. What do you mean? I know I'm a Gentile, but my daughter is severely, severely demon-possessed. Verse 25, then she came and she worshiped him. She bowed at his feet. She is worshiping him and she says, oh Lord, help me. But he answered and said, and this seems even worse. It is not good that the children's bread should be thrown to little dogs. Man, how harsh. But I'm, I'm convinced as we look at the end of it, this is meant for the disciples to see the big picture of why Jesus Christ came. Notice what he said, she says, and she says, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Unless we believe that, that Christ came for everybody, you and I will see people differently. We will see them as no hope in Christ. And I'm convinced, you know, for those who were believers in the small town that where Diane and I live, they probably looked at Rich Bailey and said, no hope. He is just too wild. He is too self-centered. He is egotistical. He is angry. And they probably said, man, no way. You know, unworthiness is something that just pervades our culture. Why do you think the suicide rate is so high? People believe that they have no purpose in life. Living by faith reveals that you are a precious gem in God's eyes. And the very moment you and I trust Christ as Savior, the very moment you and I plead to him, Lord, help us in our lostness and trust Christ as our Savior, you and I become a prized possession. How do I know that? Our body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. 
filled with the very Spirit of God, given a calling by God, equipped with spiritual gifts to serve our great and mighty God, and he wants to use us for his glory, even if it's just to walk by faith. You and I must trust his love and compassion for everybody. For ourselves. Third point, trusting his great love and compassion all the time. He loves me. Whenever I get down and I'm, I'm at the woe is me state, and, and it happens far too often in my book for me, but it happens, two things happen. I go running to my favorite CDs of the moment and start listening to great songs. <laughs> start listening to, to beautiful Christian songs, remindful of that. And secondly, I start remembering I am a child of the Most High God. He is my heavenly father. He loves me. He wants me to come to him in these moments. And so the loneliness gets dispelled. The forlornness gets dispelled because he is my God. My future is great in his eyes. Yours is too. His love and compassion, even in the midst of the most horrific of storms, the most horrific of mountains, do we walk truly as children of God? Is it revealed? Pure religion is. Ah. Caring for the orphan, caring for the widow. Ah, true religion is being pure. How can we say we love God and walk consistently in pornography, adultery? How can we say that? We have shut off the love of God in our hearts and lives. Do we walk by faith, truly trusting his compassion and love? His authority, his presence, his love. You know, I think of Ruth. (laughs) Boy, Naomi said everything she could to wound her daughter-in-law. And she she finally just said, (laughs) whether she said mom or Naomi, she goes, I want you to know your God's my God. Where you go, I go. Mom line. I'm not going to give up on God. You've taught me about God. I'm not going to give up on him. And what does God do in all of his compassion and love? Wow, provides for her in a wonderful way. Mary's obit. She's found in the lineage of Christ, this Moabite. Wow. The love and compassion of God. Last but not least, Matthew 17. Matthew, learning great faith, learning that God's love is for everybody and Christ came for everybody. Matthew 17, verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down and saying to him, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. 
for he often falls into fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And Jesus answered, said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. And the disciples came to him privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And so Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, your lack of faith. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. If you and I are people of prayer, we will reveal that we truly trust his steadfast faithfulness. He is faithful that promised. He wanted Matthew and the disciples to realize you've got to trust in me all the time, not yourselves. They had just come back from victorious time of being sent out. Even the demons obeyed their voice. And and he says, hey, don't let that overwhelm you, but I understand that your home is in heaven. That's the most important thing, that God is your father but you have to remain connected to me. I'm fearful that within the church of God, prayer becomes one of the least things that we do. And the greatest way we can show and reveal that we truly trust his steadfast faithfulness is to be a people of prayer. I got to meet a new neighbor yesterday. And uh, come to find out, he's a Christian, he and his wife. And so we were celebrating that together. And, uh, you know, as we got talking about the community and talking about uh, how many uh, good churches there are around here, and as they are searching, hunting for a church in which to worship, you know, uh, we both agreed that, you know, there's enough, enough Christians here in this community to truly, if we get on fire for the Lord, bring a revival to the city and to the state and to the nation. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, I think we somehow sit back and say, no, apostasy's gone too far. It's not going to happen. I want you to know, besides praying for the Lord to return, I pray that there would be a revival. Mainly for my grandkids, my kids. I truly believe God can do it. Why? Because nothing's impossible for him. His presence is real. Being a people of prayer, and I'm mindful of a story I read in Ruth Graham Bell's book, It Is My Turn. She grew up as a missionary kid. Her dad was a a doctor in China, and she was there with him and... uh, he, he worked within the hospital, and uh, a, a gentleman who was the business manager of the hospital trusted Christ as Savior. And he was just a happy-go-lucky guy, just real jolly. His name was Mr. Err. And one day, bandits broke into his house to steal stuff. Uh, his kids were there, an eight-year-old and a six-month-old, and they took the children. And soon, uh, the ransom note came. 
asking for a thousand yon. Uh, he was a poor man. He didn't know what to do, and he began praying. And so he actually put this huge sign on the outside of the hospital. The bandits have kidnapped our children and have demanded a thousand yon ransom. I am not a wealthy man. I cannot pay a thousand yon. I cannot pay 500 yon. I cannot even pay 50 yon. But I believe God. If it is his will, he is able to bring my children back without any ransom. And you know, as people pass by, well, he just signed his kid's death warrant. Mr. and Mrs. Er began praying, going to church and praying regularly, kissing consistently that God would somehow move the mountain. Weeks later, months later, they, the police heard of a stronghold of thieves, and so they surrounded it, invaded it, began arresting, went chasing them through the backyard and out, out into the back uh, part, and they went running by a ditch and uh, one of the men thought he heard something, went down, and underneath this basket was this little skeleton of a boy, barely alive, almost starved to death. They scooped him up, got him to the hospital, find out it was the son, still able to survive, and they began nurturing him back to health. Another couple of weeks passed. The police heard of another stronghold. They invaded it. People ran. They arrested people. Within it, they found a nursing mom who was nursing two children. But one of them wasn't hers. And they found the baby. Ruth Graham talks about the delight and the joy within the Christian community that God had moved the mountain and answered their prayers, their way, the delights of their heart. But she said, you know, the most moving part was weeks after, Mr. and Mrs. Err came walking down the aisle, each carrying one of their children, and looked at the congregation. We would be so wrong if we did not dedicate our children to the Lord, that he would use them, he spared their lives, that he would use them profoundly for his glory. Where's our faith? Do we really believe he has the authority and power? Do we really believe his presence is constant? Do we really, really believe that his love is pure towards us or that he's given up on us? Do we really believe he is faithful? If you and I are going to have faith that moves mountains, those things must be true. As the worship team comes, I would ask you, where are you? Where are you in your journey, your walk of faith? Maybe you walked in this morning and just in total desperation ready to give up, or maybe you have given up. We will have a prayer team on either side. Please come forward. Get prayer. Get prayer. Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as Savior. 
Maybe you've thought, nah. Maybe today ought to be the day where you realize that his love for you is very personal. He died for you personally. He died for your personal sins on the cross. And all you have to do is cry out by faith. Ask God to forgive you your sins. And trust him as your savior. Let's stand and close our time in prayer. Our Father and our God, Lord, you know our hearts. You know where we are in our walk with you or apart from you. Oh, Father, how I pray that none of us would live, leave here without leaving here in faith, in Christ. And Father, for those who are experiencing the worst of the worst, Lord, I pray that they trust you. Trust you. You are all powerful. You are here. You will walk with them through whatever it is. I'm convinced of that. Your compassion and love is so real. Oh, Father, meet the needs of our hearts here today as only you can. Through the power of your great love, for it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.